I'm on a mission. A mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell. And are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you. It can give you the world or it can tear it apart. There's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose. Will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing? These are their stories and this is the stories we tell. What's up, guys? It's your host, Jamie Messina, and we have another amazing episode. I know I say this every time, but listen, this one's my favorite thus far. I have a new friend on, Jamie Filer. She is a coach of mental health, physical health, confidence, empowerment, business mentor, wife, a dog mom, motivational speaker. We share the same name, both first and middle, but both share a similar path of wanting to help empower people so that they can take a hold of their life and really achieve anything that they put their mind to that they want um and and so we have a similar path in that sense and our conversation in this episode was pretty amazing jamie's story is powerful and i can't wait for y'all to hear it so i'm gonna stop talking but first if you're ready to kind of switch that story that you're playing in your head if it's one that's disempowering and you're ready to switch it to one that's going to empower you to step through and become everything that you can be click the link in the description of this show it will say hey here's the link to uh the stories we tell workbook and um that is going to get you started on that process okay so be aware of that be on the lookout for that and i'll give you all the information about jamie in the show notes as well but right now let's just get to this amazing conversation all right i am here with jamie filer which by the way i think that um is a soul sister not only do does our name is our name the same it's spelled the same which is J-A-I-M-E. And we have the same middle name. And we have the same middle name. I almost (laughs) expected you to say that your birthday was my birthday. When is your birthday? August 30th. Okay, no. Yeah, it's not. But imagine. Yeah, that would have been crazy. (laughs) We we have the same hair, although yours is better done. We do. We're only about a foot apart. (laughs) It's it's crazy. (laughs) I know. I kind of wish it was. Like, you're like my, my, my taller, like doppelganger totally yeah <laughs> yeah yep. that's so funny yeah. well i'm i'm super pumped to um have you here today just we have so like honestly i think this is going to be a loaded episode because yeah. there's so much to talk about my life that, requires a lot of unpacking right that i don't even know where to start so why don't you just tell them a little bit about yourself oh gosh well it's so funny because yours with you know your podcast the stories we tell and i was like man which story should i go with because some people have this defining moment this like one tragedy that turned into triumph the the struggle that turned into strength and here i am being like which one should i pick (laughs) um and i consider myself super grateful long story short um where do i come from i come from toronto ontario um born and raised oh you're canadian i am canadian (laughs) um my dad was from saskatchewan which is a province in ontario in canada and my mom was from germany she was born after world war ii which comes with its own set of problems when you're the child of a baby boomer and a Holocaust, you know, the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor. Um, So I grew up in Toronto. Uh, I guess where we start the story I tell is that I began my first diet when I was 11. I had just changed schools. Um, There was a lot going on in my family. My dad had Lou Gehrig's disease, which he was diagnosed with eight months 
after my parents got married, mm. which is one month before I was born. So I have only known my dad to be in a wheelchair, unable to breathe or communicate on his own, not moving. Um, and, you know, there was really no progressive decline. You know, when I was three years old, he was put on a ventilator. Um, and then after that, he pretty much maintained status quo. And it's essentially what you would picture in Stephen Hawking. Yes. That's, they were pretty, that's what that's my dad what looked like. Yeah, it was exactly. Yeah. Same thing. He had the same computer voice and everything. It was cool because that was the only technology at the time. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was just a lot for my little fifth grade brain to handle. I bet. <laughs> and uh, I think I just saw my mom running around so much. She quit her job so that she could take care of him part-time, even though he had full-time nurses. And I said, you know what just make this easier is if I disappeared. Mm. That's not quite how, you know, mm. anorexia works. You only make yourself more of a concern to your right. family. So it backfired a little bit. Um my first two hospitalizations were when I was 15. One was an inpatient for 40 days. One was an outpatient for two months. Um, followed by when I was 16 years old, I believe. I was in the hospital for three days because um, I'd shut my kidneys down. So I was on kidney dialysis. Yeah. But things didn't get worse. So things didn't get better. I'm sorry. They only got worse once I turned 18 because at that point, my parents were no longer allowed to put me in the hospital without my permission. Mm. So I use it as an excuse to put my middle finger up to them <laughs> and say, you guys yeah. punished me so badly. I lost out on my 11th grade year. Let's go. Mm. That's also when I discovered bodybuilding. Ooh. Yeah. It's a whole nother. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Cause there I was looking in front of a mirror at a whopping 95 pounds, 4% body fat thinking I looked like those guys because that's what an eating disorder does to you. It makes you think you are significantly larger. Now, picture the same body fat, but an extra 100 pounds. And that's what I actually saw. So I said, you know what? I should be a competitive bodybuilder. Oh. So I did eight shows um, between 11th grade and 12th grade, only, only getting worse and worse. Cause again, thinking I had to diet like a bodybuilder and do cardio like a bodybuilder. So that is my first story, Ugh. Jamie. Man, and like I didn't know much about that. Like I, I read a couple of your posts, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna ask in person because yeah. um, we talked about before we even uh, started recording. Just I, I never. That's one of those subjects I don't like to necessarily touch. Um, I've dabbled in you know things like that in high school, mm -hmm. and then found my way to be more healthy, I guess. Like yeah. After you know something. Yeah. So, um, do you, like what? So today, you're. What do you do today? Today I'm an online, uh, I guess I'm an online coach, but I'm so much more. I know. Right? I hate saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, tell me what you feel you do. Okay. Fuck, I, fuck what people think. <laughs> I help the LGBTQ community integrate their mental and physical health. And would you say that your story from the past um, plays a huge role in that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Both the, the mental side of helping people overcome barriers remove limiting beliefs, uh, overcome self-sabotaging behaviors, but also the fact that I've been as low as 95 and mm -hmm. hated myself, as mm -hmm. high as 180 and hated myself, mm -hmm. and now we're in this middle ground where I'm like what I call body neutral because at this point I don't actually know if the mirror is lying to me or not, right. so I've stopped putting so much investment in it. So it's not just, I guess, what I've been through that makes me feel qualified, but I get everything I had to learn in order to become what I am now. 
I mean, I think that what people have been through is a huge reason why they're qualified, yeah. right? Like we just had this conversation where somebody, you know, I had somebody I might think, well, what makes you so special? This is what they said. What yeah. makes you so special? You're just an average person. Well, my friend, we are all just average people. Yep. And my experiences and what I've learned through that process is what makes me qualified in addition to also certifications. Right. <laughs> if so, you know, what qualifies you to be a life coach? I've lived. Exactly. Fucking, that's it, right? Yes. Ah, yes. Um, so w- was there like this pivotal moment or this that shifted from where you were yeah. to this new path of a healthier lifestyle? Yeah. So I started, I think I was around 18 and... Uh, I was transitioning out of living with my parents and going to university in Toronto. And I was at home one night. Like I just happened to be sleeping at home. And I remember waking up from sleep and seeing my mom standing in the doorway, just watching. And she didn't go away. And I don't know whether she could see me seeing her. But eventually I said, why are you just standing there? She said, I always stand here. I said, why do you always stand there? And she said, your body is so little, I need to make sure the mattress is still going up and down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so obviously I put two and two together. My mother thinks she is going to have to bury her only child. Yes, oh, that brought, that brought like a tear. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is the, right? If I don't clean up my act soon, we both know how this is gonna end. Um, so that was what started it for me. And now obviously recovery from anything is not an overnight thing, it took me about four years um but the other thing that happened was that at 19 my dad passed away in a house fire and my mom and I had no one else but each other at that point we'd lost the most important person and obviously due to you know what I said before about me hating my parents for putting me in the hospital my mom and I didn't have a great relationship but due to my dad's illness in my head he had nothing to do with putting me in the hospital even though it was definitely like I know how parents I know how like mature relationships work you talk about (laughs) things any decision um but I loved I loved him more than I loved her that was it he was my I was such a a daddy's girl um but then once he passed away my mom and I are like okay we should find a way to coexist and I realized that if I was going to do it in a healthy way I had to literally feed myself so that my brain could function at an optimal level Mm -hmm. so that I could get through university with passing grades um, because I was not for my first two years Mm -hmm. due to the fact that I wasn't eating and my brain wasn't getting calories. So I said, I need to graduate in his honor. I need to do something with my life. I need to have a healthy relationship with my mom. And I want to be a personal trainer. And you can't when you weigh 97 pounds and nobody trusts you because you weigh 97 pounds. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I have a couple questions here. Yeah. Were you guys home for the fire as well? My mom was out shopping. Ugh. Yeah, I was in school. I was in university, um, but I was 25 minutes away, so my mom's parents were sent to drive me to the hospital. Um, my mom came home. She still has nightmares. You can edit this out after. Super graphic. She came home to the firefighters taking him out of the wind, like mm-hmm. having broken the upstairs window. A giant man slung over their shoulders being like descended down a ladder the issue was they were not listening to this frantic woman's screams of he needs his ventilator so whatever make your own conclusions she still has nightmares about that to this day because she she saw it happen i did not so it was more of him not having the ventilator. It wasn't him not breathing oh my for God. that period of time. Yeah. They were not bagging him. And I get it, right? When you're in that 
moment as a firefighter. I could never assume what that adrenaline is like. You're just like, get the body out. But like, ah, the body's attached to a breathing machine. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Yes. So (laughs) let's take a deep breath. There you go. Right. Story number one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that's story number two. It it is story number two. Wow. This is going to be the, well, it is the stories with an S. Yeah. Yeah. So I think obviously mindset and, you know, it plays a huge role in how you kind of shifted where you were to, was there anything that you really, that you did to help your mindset in that time? I think I, that was the point when I, I guess I was 19, 20. So I already knew what I wanted to do, right? Because the eating disorder from that mess, I got the message that I had to do something in fitness because had it not, okay, granted bodybuilding almost killed me. Mm -hmm. There was that, but also I realized how good you could feel when you ate in a healthy manner and how clear you could think when you fed yourself enough Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. strong you could be when you put all of those things together. And I'm like, man, I want everyone to feel like this. I want to shout it from the rooftops, like lift some freaking weights. Okay. So then when my dad passed away, I already had the fitness thing and I was like, okay, well now I have to be the best at it (laughs) because I need to make him proud. And the only way you could make a man who can't actually tell you he's proud of you proud is by never stopping. Mm So that story number three. So, yeah. so, th- so I think it was at that point, 19, 20 years old, he had just passed away. I finally found my anchor and that anchor is forever and always having the same impact on the world that my dad did when he was alive and wanting everyone to be a better version of themselves and knowing that there was more. I mean, the guy lived with Lou Gehrig's disease for 19 years, mm. right? Again, second only to like Stephen Hawking. There aren't a lot of people who get that much time out of ALS but he did. And if he could do it in that body, the rest of us have no excuse not to live up to our potential. Hell yeah. Damn. So I see you still bodybuild now. I do still bodybuild, but in a different kind of way. It took a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I got out of it. So I think 2008, 2000, roughly 2008. Yeah. I would have been about 20 was when I started my recovery. Um, I did not compete again. Uh, 20, in 2008, <laughs> how old are you? Yeah, uh, I will be 35 this year. Oh, yeah. Why do I feel like that one? All right. All I right. was born in 87. 82. Okay. Right. We're not that far apart. <laughs> no. Um, so we're both going to have big birthdays, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, right, yeah. We're going to be 35 be 40. and 40. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, bodybuilding. Right. Bodybuilding. 2012. I did a show, but it was at that point I was at 181 pounds and the only thing I could think to do was a show in order to motivate me to lose the weight. Okay. So I hired a coach and he said, do you think you're in a healthy place to do this? Like, am I going to, you know, it's funny, we were talking about triggering and having those conversations. My coach right. said, I'm willing to prep you. Do you think you're in a place where this could not mess with you long term? And I said, it's been four years. If I'm not, all this will do is expose it, right? right? But it's going to happen, right? If there's... If there's a light, like if there's kerosene, you just have to light a match. There's car- there's still kerosene. Right. So I need to do this for me. Anyway, I did not relapse. Touch wood. I have not relapsed, I guess, since 2008 or however long that's been. Um, I did 2012, 2016, and then 2021. So I've done three shows mm-hmm. since then. But each, each time it's gotten a little bit easier and it's been for a different reason. And... Um, it's yeah it's it's been like in honor of something different 
I love that. And the fact that you said, so it, if there is still an underlying issue, we're going to find it. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, Jamie and I were just talking about a certification that I'm doing right now with Joseph McClendon III, neuroencoding, and he says, um, we're going to find it. We're going to bring out whatever that trigger is. We're going to yeah. trigger it so that we can attack it and kill the monster while it's a baby. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Find that so much of whatever I've already done or learned. Of course, obviously you're like you've got your course PhD bonds. in it, and I'm getting my associates. But <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it really does. So that was it. And and I think that as humans, we shouldn't be afraid to tackle it, because if I if I could just show my clients or make them understand, and to an extent, a lot of them do, which is why they're okay working with me, that it's not bad to uncover your trauma. Right. Because as soon as you do, it doesn't have to be your trauma anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are scared to feel like, or they assume that trauma or what comes from trauma because the emotions are tied to that is a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. when really the, I think we just have a different mindset than those people that like, yes, it's not a weakness. This is a part of us and we get to, um, make it better when we expose it. hundred percent. We talked about this on, on our live last week that so many people are like, Ah, but I'm comfortable. Yes. But they're comfortable in their discomfort. They're comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And and they're like, I'd rather that than whatever craziness you're about to expose me to. Even if we could show them that if you just waited it out like another two steps, you'd actually be better than you are right now. And you know, uh, you don't know a lot about my story, I don't think, right? So for many years up until I was like 26, 27, anxiety and depression ruled my life. Mm -hmm. And one would think that that is uncomfortable, but I was comfortable. I was comfortable not being able to walk up to a counter and pay for my stuff because I didn't want to interact with a person there. Or like, I was comfortable crying myself to sleep and waking up, you know? My comfort was waking up thinking, oh man, I hope this is my last day and going to bed thinking about how it could be my last day the next day. You know, like, how is that comfortable? But it is because that's what we're used to. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, when that's all you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's take a little pivot. Okay. So we're both kind of invested in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's let's, kind of poke that beast. Yeah. (laughs) So I am... um, I think they call them like late to life lesbians. Yeah. So I can't. You're so not a late. That's like 49 plus. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Fine. (laughs) Um, I was 26 when I came out. Okay. Um, I had I had actually been engaged to a guy. Um, We were on and off for about five years together for about a year and a half. Off for a year and a half together for two. And at that point, we're like, yeah, this is long term. We love each other. We keep coming back to each other. Let's just get engaged. And it was also what. 25 year old Jews did mm-hmm. right you okay. got engaged and married at roughly 25 you for sure had your first kid at 30 by 30 not at 30 I didn't know this by information. 30 yeah uh-huh. um and uh I, my gosh I think we got engaged in June or July um and I knew right away something was wrong mm-hmm. the guy was amazing oh my god like he was he was enough that I would be willing to spend my life with him but the intimacy was not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. My bad. <laughs> um, he was just my best friend and the best fiance I'd ever had, but there was a missing component. So finally I said, listen, you deserve more. Yes. I mean, you deserve a wife that wants to have sex with you. Like, right. why don't you want that for you? And he's like, because I've been happy with all the other stuff. And yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. Not good enough for you. And that shouldn't be good enough for me either. So this whole time I was complaining to my massage therapist about my failed 
engagement and how now I was like past my expiration date and Jewish years and <laughs> she was like 25 <laughs> yeah yeah she's like do you do you want to go for coffee because this is weird and right now I'm in my like professional pants <laughs> right I'm but maybe you. <laughs> right let's let's take this uh less formal and I said do you want to just maybe go on a date and she said are you gay and I said, I don't know. I also don't care. I'm willing to try anything. Was she? She was. Oh. And I knew she was. And I was comfortable with it. Right? There are some gay Jews yeah. out there. I didn't know any. My, Be- cousin, my cousin being one of them. Your cousin is a gay Jew? Yes. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> so had I known your cousin when I was 25, this may have been an option. But like when I was in, um, oh my gosh, middle school? When I was in elementary school, obviously nothing. Middle school, No. High school, there were like two boys that a lot of us like assume, but they weren't out because mm-hmm. you didn't come out. Not at my Jewish summer camp, right? Like never, obviously not in like my graduating bat mitzvah class. Yeah. Did anyone come out? So at finally at 26, I'm like, maybe I'll be the first gay Jew to ever graduate. No, there have been more, but again, nobody <laughs> came out. So she's like, are you gay? And I said, I'm willing to try anything. So she came over that night. I realized just how super gay I was. <laughs> yes. Um, and the rest is history. <laughs> oh my God. All yeah. right. So you're 35 now. So you roughly 10 years of gay under my belt. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've been in, in and out of the community a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that we've ever really had this conversation just about the community being kind of toxic. Oh yeah. I mean, we did in that let you know well we were talking about lesbians pushing their significant others away and typically being bad at relationships and why we do that but yes a hundred percent it uh oh we did have the chat i think briefly briefly. we're like why is it so hard to find gay friends yeah especially females when you're in the position that we are yes which is on a road to bettering ourselves every single day like yeah like personal growth and growth mindset yeah and it is yes well do we know why uh I think, I mean, again, I think we talked about this a little bit on our live, that the LGBTQ community starts off with a bit of a chip on our shoulder. Mm -hmm. We already put ourselves in that victim position. Mm -hmm. So then when you see someone who's supposed to be just like you with the same chip on their shoulder, freaking making six and seven figures, making a name for themselves online, giving motivational speeches to big crowds, you're like, Mm -hmm. wait, you are supposed to be down here with me. And you either get resentful of that person uh you get jealous of that person or you're almost like you've neglected your tribe right you're not one of us anymore you're too good for us and i don't know so let me ask you let me ask you did did people do that to you because they definitely do it to me sometimes yeah yes yeah okay so you've had that experience as well yes where they come out of the woodwork and you're like whoa what did i do to you yeah or they just stop and they just thought like oh i thought you were too busy because what because you see my life online right you have my number because we're friends in real life why wouldn't you just check in yeah right or there i you know i had i had some friends my mom okay another story we tell within three months my di- my mom was diagnosed with colon cancer and liver oh. cancer last year no surgery she's currently undergoing chemo Fuck. we're like 98.6 percent in the clear we're so great runs in my family as well does it colon we got yeah we mm-hmm. got to get checked earlier than others mm-hmm. okay um and I have friends who are just like, well, I didn't, I didn't text because like you said your mom was doing well on your stories. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why you didn't check in on me because right. you heard my story. And I get it. Maybe to an extent that's on me. I should have been like, but I, no, how would I have even, what am I going to do? Like I'll call my best friends and be like, hey, mass text, letting you guys know personally my mom's okay. No, 
Yeah. I'm here. I'm still me. For me, it's like strangers come at me with some hate. You know? Is this like on TikTok and Instagram? Yes, but I can tell they're people I've known from my past, but I don't, but they hide behind a screen name. And I'm like, what the hell did I do to you? Yeah. They just think I'm a cocky bastard because I'm out there doing something. And I'm like, are you missing the entire message? Yeah. You are. Clearly, no, they are. They, like, <laughs> literally are missing the message. They should be the ones coming to you being like, I need what you have. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, that opened my eyes. I mean, honestly, I, I have a lot more uh, gigs time than you do. I came out when I was 18. Yeah. Um, and that was – I've been gay longer than – I've been out longer than not. Yeah. Um. And I've experienced a lot of, I've been in the scene and in my early years, I was all about it. We were out five, six days a week, just, you know, and uh, issues with alcohol and drugs and this and that. And, and, but that was normal. Yeah. There was, there was nobody that wasn't doing that. And I, and I was always thinking once I began to shift my life, it was 27 Mm -hmm. where I was like, I need to make a change because I would either that or I'm going to kill myself. And so I did. And I recognized, man, there is no place within the, the community that is like, okay, we are committed to personal growth. Mm-hmm. There's, okay, we're going to be young and be frat boys or whatever for our entire life, and or you get married really quickly and go and disappear. And yeah, knows what the there are those but, ones too. But where is the middle ground of like, hey, I'm young, professional, doing good in the world, doing good for myself, making money, and I want to go enjoy myself. Yeah. Like, you know, there, I didn't see that. And yeah. so lately I've been asking people that are younger or whatever, does that exist? And they're like, no, it still doesn't exist. And I'm like talk about this for 20 years why didn't I do anything (laughs) yeah yeah I think maybe I'm at I would say I'm at an advantage that I had those extra eight years and I you know as much as I bragged on the Jewish community for putting this pressure on me to get married and have kids by a certain age if it wasn't for them the emphasis on education would not have been there right the emphasis on creating a community because the Jewish community I mean Jewish community is like one in the same word um that's your family yeah. So I think I'm so grateful that, again, you know, my, my parents' values and being the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor, I had that warrior mm-hmm. mentality that had I come out at 18 and been exposed to, like, the gay community in Toronto as opposed to the Jewish community, this this story might not have might turned be out a little the same. Different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that bonded us when we first talked is, like, I'm like, we are on the same path yeah. and have a similar vision, Yeah. Um, which I think is awesome. But... Uh, let's pivot to another story. What do you got for it? Um, so, oh yeah. Okay. So we can, t- okay. So this pivots to my, I guess the most recent story. Well, that my mom. Okay. So when I came out, I had a girlfriend and then I had several more. Yeah. I can tell you probably where you <laughs> I was like, wow, that's so great. Ladies. Until finally I saw Katie for the first time. My and, fellow Bostonian. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, okay, no more ladies. This is it. This one woman, this is it. Um, so at the time she had a girlfriend. Ah. Ooh, I, I'm, let me hear it more. Okay, so, so what had happened was she was doing Orange Theory and had lost about twenty to thirty pounds, and was I love in this Orange like theory, by the way. it's so great. Yeah, yeah shout out to Orange Theory mm-hmm. um, for making my wife hot. So <laughs> she was uh, all over Instagram and her Discover page, and she was just scrolling through these fit lesbians, and she was like, yeah, 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 until. Jame ninety one appeared. Yes, and so you're all you're in my for you page too. Was I way. really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, she messaged me and she's like, "Hey, Jamie, I just wanted to let you know that even though I'm not on your program, I've been doing Orange Theory and I've already lost twenty to thirty pounds. And you know, you're really an inspiration." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Go to her page." And I'm like, "Yeah, she's hot. Oh, has a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Not messing with that." Yes. Okay, moving on. Love that. Love that. More morals right there. Yeah. Yes. 
Not not typical. Until she double messaged me, Jamie. <laughs> she double messaged me. Hey, really love your stories. Love your inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this bitch. Okay, uh-huh. all right. Hey, Katie, congratulations on the weight loss. So great to hear. You look really, really great. Anyways, yeah. uh, this was in January. We started chatting. Finally, I said in, in February or March, I said, listen, I'm coming down for a photo shoot in April. And it was, this was coming down to Hollywood, Florida, yeah. where my mom, my grandma, and I had spent every Hanukkah mm. and every Passover nice. in Florida. And she said, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Maybe we could have coffee. And I said, no, let me do you one better. You're riding this high of fitness and life and you're, you're proud of your own body for the first time. Let me like give you my photographer. Go do your own Damn. photo shoot. Yeah, I said, oh, yeah. I'll take him for an hour. You take him for an hour. Do whatever you want. Invite your girl. Like I, I just, I want to foster this newfound love of fitness. I love that. And she said, I've never been in front of a camera before. I'm really nervous. This, this body doesn't even feel like mine. And I said, I'll still be there. I just, I don't need to be in your photos. Anyway, she asked me if we could like get together before the photo shoot. Uh, <laughs> Didn't she still have a girlfriend? Yeah, I okay. stole, yeah, but I stole her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, it sounds like she put the effort in herself. She did put the effort in herself. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot to the story. Um, it's not my finest hour, but the, the problem, and I don't even think it was a problem, is that I knew that she was going to be my wife. Mm. From the first day I saw her, I said, listen, with all due respect to your girlfriend, she, I'm going to marry you. Like, Did you I tell her that? Do, no, okay. not until after I moved in. Okay. Um, well, I'm just wondering, because sometimes when things come like that to my mind, I'm I, I don't have a filter and I'll say it and people think you're weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. I'm like, okay, yeah. bye. <laughs> I sh- I pro- no, it would have scared her. So no. Uh, so we, so she realized she had a decision to make. She, she chose me. I came back 10 days later with a one way ticket. So we are the cliche U-Haul yes. lesbians. Um, but also she lived in Florida and I lived in Toronto. Like, of I, course I was going to move 100%. in. Uh, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so, so, okay, so where's this story going? The next story I'm going to tell is that <laughs> once I knew I was going to marry her, we had a problem on our hands because I am from Canada. And even though a uh, lot of people don't think about it, Canada is a foreign country. Right. It is not America Jr. <laughs> Which means that I had What do you to, mean? We're both in North America. <laughs> you'd think, right? Yeah, the visa, the green card, and the passport are not the same. Mm-hmm. So I officially had to make a decision because I couldn't keep going back and forth. Um... I could no longer keep my Canadian job because I would then have to pay taxes twice. Right. Um, so what started off as a work visa ended up with me quitting and making no money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then putting her in a position of saying, listen, I don't mean to rush things, but yeah. if this is the direction this is going, we need to make it happen because I can't, I can't be here for more than three months without a job and no return ticket. Right. And she said, okay. So it wasn't the most romantic proposal um, I've ever made. How, how quickly did you get, y'all get? We got married a year after we met. Yeah, so I proposed. So we met for the first time in April. I proposed the following March, and then we got married April 5th. Cool. Yeah. Now, granted, it's worked out. Definitely it's a le- like, t- typical cliche lesbian, yep. but also um, it it's working. Happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had to navigate... You know, obviously nine months of unemployment while I waited for a green card. Mm -hmm. Then realizing that I didn't want to work for anyone else again. Yeah. And that was when Entrepreneur Jamie was born. Let's hear about Entrepreneur Jamie. So in the time that I was waiting for my green card, I really had, I wasn't allowed to make money. 
So I didn't, but what I did do was cultivate a following. So I spent a lot of time on Instagram and um, collaborating, going live, leveraging networks, researching a lot. The reels weren't even a thing. We're looking, yeah. we're talking back in 2018. Yeah. Um, so even stories had just mm-hmm. come out. So I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I create so much hype around what it is I'm doing and what it is I'm about and who I'm doing it for that the second, the day that green card comes in, I'm going to have a bunch of people waiting at my door being like, okay, we've been ready. Now you can sell us the product. Yeah. Um, God, I feel like that's a blessing. It was. To be able to get that because you got to build that for trust. So, but again, this goes back to your narrative, right? Nine months of unemployment for a lot of people. If we, if uh. we look even as recently as 2020, what did nine months of unemployment? Depression, anxiety, mm. 15 pounds. Um, so many things, but I'm like, wait, this is the best thing because I don't have a job. This is incredible, (laughs) right? right? I can do whatever I want for nine months. Yeah. Um, so I did. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, that's going pretty well. Would you say? Now, yeah. Now I'm, now I'm really happy. Now I'm, now I'm good. Now I definitely, now I have people working for me. It's great. Um, I can't see my life any other way, but impacting and serving others, choosing my hours, choosing where I'm going to work from. Um, oh, yeah. This reminds me of a conversation that I had. So uh, I think I told, I told you briefly on a message. So I, I had somebody that messaged me on Bumble, asked what I did. Yeah. And, um, you know, I said, yeah, it says I'm a life coach, but really I do this thing, neuroencoding. They wanted me to explain that at what, what that was. Long story short, I said, that's a loaded question. We'll have to do that in person. Okay. And then they ghosted. And so the universe just plays an tricks on us all the time so one day my friend Tasha was like come by the pool there's this girl here I'm talking to her like whatever so I come down and the girl's like oh you look familiar oh wait are you a life coach I'm like yeah I hate that word by the way I don't feel like I'm a life yeah. coach yeah but um she's like oh I'm that one that messaged you this and I was like oh yeah sorry if you thought I was rude but really that's like a really loaded question I can't type that yeah and she was like yeah no and then she said oh wait a second you live here by the way guys we live in a very nice building yeah and I was like yeah and she's like oh well, I, I just, I thought that life coach meant you were unemployed. And so where does this mindset come from where people don't understand self-employed and the ability to make money unless somebody <laughs> hires you and you go nine to five and you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I think where that comes from is, is I guess what we see on the television. But like I think in my specifically, head, in, and I'm talking about specifically within the LGBTQ plus community. Oh, I see. Again, because I mean, I don't. I guess it, it it speaks to comfort, comfort in the discomfort, right? You know, what's great being able to clock out at four and having your knowing the set amount of money you're gonna yeah, make. and having and your benefits and having yeah. benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who my most miserable clients are the ones locked into that Hell the yeah. ones locked into the four walls i would love benefits and also i think i would kill myself if I yeah agreed. agreed so like they wouldn't matter they'd be gone because i'd be gone <laughs> yeah yeah a hundred percent and i think very similar when you tell people you're a personal trainer they're assuming crunch 25 an hour oh you're just a meathead like you know so it's the same thing when you like if you tell someone you're a bouncer right oh you're like doing this in between jobs for cash Mm. Man, I haven't done cash in a very long time. Right. Right. Okay. So um, I think it's their projection of, there are two kinds of people. Those who like safety and security and those who like freedom and opportunity. Right. And you, people assume you have to choose one or the other. Right. We know that you can have both. 
right? Mm-hmm. Katie is is honestly my my security and my safety. I am her freedom and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Babe, take the next two days off. We're going to Mexico on April 4th. Are Call really? in, right? We are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bring um, me. <laughs> which is great, but when you have when you have two Katie's in a relationship, all you know are four walls. Right. And I think a lot of people choose Katie's, I'm putting that in like quotes, um, because because freedom and opportunity is scary, right? Yeah. And also the freedom and opportunity comes, in order to have that, you have to have some kind of belief in yourself. Yes. And you have to believe that, you know, you're, you know, and so many people have limiting beliefs yeah. that unless they bring those to the surface yeah. and kill the beast while it's a baby, yeah. then those ultimately will hold you back. And you might not even say that that's why, because you might not know that's why. Right. You just think, well, well, that's dumb. Like, that's so, like, unpredictable. Well, yeah. look at look at the pandemic. Your job was unpredictable, too. You never know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's such a good point. Uh, my gosh, it goes back to the whole, like, deal with it now, friends. I'm telling you, right? People look at us, and they're like, I could never have that, though. Like, you got lucky. Yeah. You got lucky. You people. Got- so you would say this to me. Um, you just, you're, you know, you just know what you're doing on social media. And I'm like, really? You don't think that... I show up every day for the past 10 years and yep. that's how I know what I'm doing. Often for 16 hours a day, 12 <laughs> yeah. hours a day. I've had relationships and because oh of God. how much yeah. I put into my business, I've had like, no. You're amazing. I'm, I'm like looking at you. Oh. You're amazing, <laughs> but you're not special. Exactly. And neither am I. There is nothing I was born with. You guys heard my stories. Probably every disadvantage. Right. Right? Or not every disadvantage, but a lot of them. But it's not like my those. mom yeah. gave me money for... Even my freaking immigration lawyer, like that was not my wedding present. That came out of my own savings. Yeah. And if we, any situation has its disadvantages. I, I would challenge even if your parents did give you money, mm-hmm. I see that as a disadvantage because your worth ethic is different. Yeah. Like you, um, oftentimes when you have that security, you never have to push yourself harder to get, like I actually believe that, had, because my parents would, they give me the world, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe that at times I have a disadvantage because uh, subconsciously I know that you could fall back on it. Yeah yeah. 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 Katie does that too. She's like, you know, you could always just ask your mom because my mom is obviously a widow now. Um, she lives by herself in a, the house that used to house three people um, and only houses one. And I said, but what would she have taught me if right. I were to ask her? Would she be happy to give me? Of course. But like right. how ecstatic or elated is she to see me doing this well on my own versus having ever asked her for anything it's the Hell same yeah. thing right and i can't wait to the day um one of the things that i teach is to celebrate when you hit things yeah i can't wait to my dad wants to go to this place in spain okay and i can't wait You're to take buy him a ticket yeah, yeah we're gonna go are. together we're gonna oh my go god explore. maybe we'll go hit up italy i don't know <laughs> totally just go on a tour of yeah yeah go see go see messina in sicily <laughs> yeah for sure, that's okay. on my vision board. It's actually on the back well of my screen there, but yeah. So that's but yeah, exactly. Like you know, man. They just have to. You just have to learn, everybody out there. Take whatever it is that you see as a disadvantage or wrong with you, or like ah, whatever you didn't grow up with. Figure out how to do the opposite. Figure out how to use it. If you've been listening to Jamie's podcast for any amount of time, you have clearly heard a bunch of people who started off with like maybe shitty, rocky lives mm-hmm. that clearly did something you want to do. And they're just average people, which goes back to the question to that person said to me, well, what makes you special? You seem like just an average person. I said, well, I am. Yeah. And you are too. And if you take the extra initiative, because by the way, guys, our brains 
did you notice our brains are just there they're not there to help us thrive they're there to keep us alive they're there to help us breathe like literally that's the only job right so for in order to go above and beyond the norm the homer simpsons of the world which is what i call them like the people who are like oh i want a nine to five one um you have to push your brain a little bit further it's up to us because we aren't our thoughts we aren't our brains we are outside of that and if you just go through the motions your brain is just keeping you alive yeah it's going to keep you safe in situations if a car's coming you stop you know right it's going to feed you it's going to help you breathe but that's the only job And in order to take it to that next step and utilize it in a way that's going to propel you to do more than the average, um, you have to make a choice to do that. And so, I don't even know why I got on that, but... Um. <laughs> you, you, it's your choice. Yes. Whatever you want to do, good or bad, your brain just has you plateauing, right? Like, it's it's yeah. this one line, it's the, it's but it's up to you to make it go up, up and down. It's 100%. Yeah. And this is why I got into what I do is because I thought that I couldn't do that shit. I'm like, whatever. I'm, I was a chubby kid. I was definitely, I wouldn't speak. I it wasn't comfortable. Like all the things, Yeah. you know? And then I learned that like, Hey, you're not special, but knowing this information about your brain is science and anyone can do it. I'm like, anybody can do it. Yeah. Oh shit. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool to know. Yeah. So, uh, you can thrive in the fact that you're not special. <laughs> that is, that's what we should call this episode. You're not special. Yeah. Do something about it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. I always struggle with the, um, with the, the title. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. Jamie Filer <laughs> says you're not special. So, um, you're not special with the two Jamies. Mm. So, um, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Uh, I always have a question that I ask towards the end, Okay. which is if you could go back to, let's go back to 11. Because okay. Because that was the first time you you know yeah so I always ask what age would it be if you go because there's always an age when I was in therapy she'd yeah. say well what age is this feeling gonna be age and then I'd be like nine and I'm like where did that come from right it came from somewhere it's okay. um you know trauma that was whatever yeah but if you could go back and talk to your 11 year old self and and tell her some kind of words of wisdom not like hey don't do this because yeah. this is gonna happen but yeah, some yeah. wisdom to, to kind of you know encourage her what would you say <sighs> I mean, honestly, I tell myself to stop scaring my parents, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, to encourage, I mean, I was like cocky. I was, I was, I had a lot going for me at 11. Uh, I would probably tell myself to spend more time with my dad between 11 and 19. That's literally it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that too, because um, my dad's my best friend, this right here. Um, it's his handwriting. And it's from uh, yeah. the first book that led me on my spiritual journey, which was The Power of Now. Yeah. When I was 25 years old. Okay. He gave it to me. I was living in Naples, Florida, running our restaurant down there. And I had no friends because there's no young people and there's definitely not, not any gay people. Naples, yeah. Yeah. So um, I would read the book on the beach every day and uh, this too shall pass. And I recognized very quickly that this was a, a quote I would remember when times were tough. Of course. But I wrote it on my earth. He wrote it on my arm and tattooed it on my arm because I wasn't recognizing in the good times to remember and take a, a stop and, uh, and take like in that. that this will pass too. Yep. Like my dad won't be here forever, you know, and whoever or whatever it is, or I won't live in this the top floor of this amazing building uh, forever. So yeah. that's why I told yeah. I told her she came in. I said I, I'd try to catch every single sunset yep. because this too shall pass. I yeah. never thought of using it as like in the affirmative way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I recognized I wasn't. Yeah. And I was in my phone and I was not, you know, I was addicted to work. Yeah. And uh, I, it helped me to kind of pull myself out of that a little bit. Yeah. Well, cool. Is there is there any like final words you'd want to 
leave with the people listening. I feel like we dropped so many bombs. They're already overwhelmed. <laughs> we they're we probably need another mad at you. So people may have unsubscribed. Oh hell no! Um, I'm sure they love. Yeah, it. we they can definitely do another episode. No, there's nothing. There's nothing I want to leave you. I mean, guys, if you haven't taken away something from either of the Jamies by now, <laughs> right. go yeah, go start from the beginning again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And recognize that if this did upset you or our social media has upset you, what upsets me, and I'm talking about myself, is yeah. about me. Yeah. And, you you know, what upsets me is about me. So what is it that seeing people doing things like that is upsetting me? And, and look within and see, you know. Kill the baby monster. Well, it's a baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. If you want to follow Jamie, the other Jamie, Michelle, um, I'm going to check the description. I'll, I'll uh, add all the ways that you can follow her and um, so that you can keep uh, up with the journey. And, uh, yeah, so check that out there. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Whoa, it's super powerful episode. Um, I didn't even really know any of that, so I didn't know what we were going to get. And man, it was just a powerful, loaded episode. If you enjoyed this episode, if you found value in it, please go give um, us a, a review, five stars preferably. Also, hit subscribe. That's how we're going to grow this podcast, reach more people, and ultimately maybe spark something within someone that can like change the trajectory of their life for the better. And so... Even if you have a friend that you're like, man, they need to hear this. Send this episode to them. Um, We would appreciate that. Now, to follow along with Jamie and and follow along with her journey and everything that's going on, check the description. Check the show notes. I'm going to put all the information in there so that you can keep up to date with what's going on with the two Jamie Michelles. (laughs) I just threw myself in there. How do you like that? But, um, yeah, that's it. And I'll be back again soon, guys.